Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast, where we discuss the latest RC hobby news, events, model reviews, and a whole lot more. All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the RC Roundtable Podcast live here at the AMA Expo West in Pomona, California. Uh, we are the RC Roundtable. I am Fitz Walker. Joining me is Terry Dunn. Hello. And Lee Ray. Hello. And if you're not uh, familiar with us, we are a podcast that discusses everything remote controlled. And um, while we mainly focus on RC airplanes, we love it all. If it's got a transmitter, we like it. Because well, airplanes are the only ones that matter, right? Well, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> he does a boat show, be careful. <laughs> yeah, I, I dabble on the dark side. So we're here at the uh, Fairfax Composi Exposition Center, excuse me, in uh, Pomona, California, which is right outside of Los Angeles. And uh, we all joined together. We normally were in several parts of the country, and we're all together here in beautiful, sunny South California. And uh, we've been at the Exposition Center here at the AMA Expo West for two days now. We've had a great time uh, meeting uh, friends, both new and old, and also uh, talking with different vendors, participating in the outdoor activities, which there are a lot, and just generally enjoying the show, swap meet, spending way too much money, the usual stuff. <laughs> So we decided to have a nice little panel session here with some great group of guys uh, and talk about RC as a gateway into high-tech careers. Uh, while some may see this hobby as uh, grown-ups playing with toys, <laughs> but in fact it's much more than that, as you guys know. And today we'll discuss how the hobby uh, that many of us enjoyed as kids has influenced into a STEM-related career. So joining us today are uh, four distinguished guests. We're mostly distinguished. <laughs> we have Chris Wolf, Mason Hutchison, Dan Cray, and Red Johnson. Jensen. 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 Uh, apologize it wouldn't be in a show for if didn't mispronounce a name. If I haven't massacred a name, then I'm not alive. You know I'm an evil doppelganger if I haven't <laughs> mispronounced something. It's a badge of honor when Fitz mispronounces your name. <laughs> You'll never forget Fitz. <laughs> yes. So, so real quick, um, I'm just going to go down the line and just introduce yourself and tell us what you do for a living, if you don't mind. We'll start, of course, with Chris. All right. Well, my name is uh, Chris Wolf. Uh, technically, aerospace engineer, but I also have a side little thing called the RC Geek. Uh, it's a YouTube channel, website showing tutorials and build videos and all kinds of stuff, how to do scale modeling, but uh, as I said, uh, by trade, aerospace engineer, I work for an aerospace company down in uh, San Diego, uh, working on drones, and um, yeah, that's, RC has been a big part of my life ever since I was a kid, and it's really influenced my career trajectory in a big way, so, yeah. All right, thanks, Chris. Chris? Hi, good morning, guys. It's a big honor to be on today. I really appreciate it. It's our honor. Yeah, my name's Mason Hutchison. Uh, I, uh, I too have enjoyed a career that's come from model airplanes, but it was kind of not intentional. I didn't want to, I didn't think, oh, I'm going to build model airplanes and become, you know, somebody. I just saw it as just a way to access more aviation and just for that purpose. And then a cool side effect was getting a job working in aerospace. But uh, I'm currently a mechanical design engineer for Stratolaunch LLC, and if you're not familiar with that, Google it because it's worth looking at the images. Oh, it's, it's uh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's the world's largest airplane, flew last April, and uh, to be a part of something like that is 
just overwhelmingly cool. It's just beyond more. I, I can't wait to tell you more about that. I, I just think it's just a, a super neat opportunity. And also, coming to shows like this is part of that you know, in, environment and part of the enjoyment of getting to meet people, new people, and see old friends at the expo. I can't beat it. It's a family thing for me. Right. So, yep. Oh, you got your own mic. Yeah, got my own mic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Dan Craig. Um, let's see. Also, it's an honor to be invited by you guys. Again. again. Yeah, again. Again. <laughs> yeah, Dan's been on the show before. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like, you know, everyone has a similar story to our stories. It's like every, everyone's kind of, kind of amazing, remarkable, technical backgrounds. Everyone, our audience is typically going to like models, and they, that's what they grew up with, and they, they try to make, make it make a living out of it somehow so they can keep enjoying what they're doing. So it's, it's kind of all the same story. So my story is not much different than anybody else's. And, and even, even you guys here are all technically technical backgrounds, you know, engineers and IT experts. And so, yeah. So. And the rest. And, and a photographer. And a photographer. <laughs> so, but... Um, I mean, uh, at, an, at an early age, I realized I'm, I was totally obsessed with airplanes, anything that flew, whether it was paper airplanes, just anything. There's an unnatural fascination with anything that could fly. Um, it was almost unhealthy. You know, it was just an, an obsession. It's a socially accepted disease. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I managed to get paper airplanes banned from two, two elementary schools. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, challenge accepted. <laughs> Well, there's something also I, I, really, I understood that somebody that has a passion for something, it can be kind of contagious and it kind of draws other people in. Right. And so I ended up having this whole army of little kids that were building paper airplanes and it, it overwhelmed the school. <laughs> you know? Finally, another school got smart enough and gave us a paper airplane only area. You know? right. But anyways, it, um, so that obsession led to uh, engineering. Um, it's sort of a natural extension of understanding airplanes. And then, my, then the career was uh, Aerojet out of school. I wanted to help America get back into space, but Aerojet was it's kind of an old uh, rocket company, and not like this, like SpaceX today. It's like, and I realized well, my heart's really in airplanes. So at that point, my choice was working for Paul McCready at Air Environment or Burt Rutan at Scale Composites. So it's kind of going back and forth, they're, and they're both hardcore model airplane you know enthusiasts. They they they, they get it. You know, I ended up choosing a Burt, uh, Burt Rutana Scaled, and um, I worked there for, well, I worked with Scale Composites for 30 years in, on a, about 20 different airframes and um, a, lot of, a lot of interesting stories. Uh, you know, one of the things that, the people you grew up with, like Neil Armstrong and Gordon Cooper and these, the, Bert, whenever these famous people would come through, Burt would always make, make sure that we, we got to meet them. So that was, that was pretty neat. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's been a remarkable place, and, uh, and uh, it attracts people like Mason. Mason and I have our desks next, next to each other now. <laughs> this is about as far apart as we get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, so that's kind of my background. Um, I'm still doing aerospace structures. So you're only doing a little bit of uh, flight engineering, right? That's, you have the least experience of all the four guys up here. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> well, yeah, no, no, no flight test anyway. Yeah, just, just pretty much just airplane structures. That's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. right. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Red? Red. Yeah, it's funny. I didn't realize till uh, we were all sitting here on the stage, but we might as well all be brothers. I mean, we have yeah. very similar stories, all the same interests, things like that. Uh, my name is Red Jensen. 
Um, I grew up in the garage flying model airplanes with my dad. Uh, my earliest memories are going to the flying field, things like that. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have uh, his support, and I, I soloed when I was six. And, uh, you know, that started the same sort of obsession. Anything that flies, I need to be part of that. I need to build, I need to design, all that kind of thing. And um, model airplanes were always what I wanted to do. Uh, never really thought it would lead to a career in aviation, but that's, that's what I did for fun. And um, it, it turns out that having all that fun while deciding what to do to pay the bills ended up being my career. So I, I'm chief pilot for NASA Armstrong. I run the subscale flight research lab. And uh, once I figured out that um, you know, something that I did for fun was worthwhile to somebody else that would pay me for it, then you know, the sky's the limit there. So I worked for a, a private UAV company prior to that for about 10 years. And uh, we had <clears throat> come down to Armstrong, which is Edwards Air Force Base, to rent the airspace. Uh, the things that we fly you can't really be flown in a traditional model airplane setting. Uh, so I got to know some of the guys there, and uh, they offered me a job, and, and here I am, and I love it. I just want people who are listening, especially the kids, this guy just said, I fly RC planes for NASA. If that's just not a promotional yeah, how, how, you know, can, talk right there. Yeah, I, I didn't even think that that could be made into a sentence. <laughs> that's that's well, The funny thing is, what a lot of people don't realize is, is NASA has been doing subscale flight research since the 1950s. The lab that I now run um, was started by a guy named Dale Reed, uh, who was a model airplane nut. And he's the guy that developed the lifting body. He built a model airplane lifting body, spawned all the, the later crew return vehicle concepts that were lifting bodies and part of that program went on to live into the space shuttle and all from a model airplane so uh, pretty yeah, incredible. Probably, probably goes to the genesis of NASA which started as a uh, NACA right? Absolutely. So, the NACA for the politically yeah. correct yeah. <laughs> well you're talking about subscale testing so the, the drawback to going first is you have no idea what your expectation is, and these guys totally squashed everything that I had. <laughs> but uh, we got your um, guns so. up. <laughs> yeah, I, I got the guns out, but I had nothing to show for it. You know, but, well, uh, you're marketing your shirt. You're kind of, it's free it. marketing for you. Yeah, right here, the, the shirt. Wow. <laughs> but um, you're talking about subscales NASA, so a little bit more about myself. So, so my dad um, is Larry Wolf from Jet Hanger Hobbies. Uh, he was pioneer in RC jets back in the day. So he was one of the first doing it. The first back when it was hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back before you just push the button and it starts for you and you go, right? So, um, but as a part of that, he did a, a bunch of different things for various different companies. But you talked about subscale testing, Red. So he was contracted by Northrop Grumman uh, back in the 80s to build a 1-8 scale model of the F-20 Tiger Shark. And so he has the distinction of flying the very first F-20 uh, in the world at 1-8 scale. So uh, they instrumented the model up uh, and they got a whole bunch of data from it. Uh, and he flew the air that model uh, 20 some odd days before they actually flew the very first uh, flight of the real one. So hey Vince, you and I need to put uh, Captain Larry Wolf on both of our F-20s. Oh yes, yeah, we got small F-20 EDFs. <laughs> nice tribute. And there's actually a gentleman that was here yesterday that I met through my website. His name is Mike Elrod. He actually was one of the pilots for Northrop on the F-20 program. Oh, one wow. of the very few. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's 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 a really small world when you talk about uh, just RC in general, right? It, it's a small community. It's a sportive community, and um, it's just everything that we do, so me, I'm a big scale modeler, and I do that because 
I always wanted to fly RC jets, or not RC jets, full-scale jets. I wanted to fly in the military, and that's what I was going to do. Well, until junior high came around and I had to get contacts so I could freaking see the whiteboard up in front of me. So that kind of ended that dream because I couldn't meet the eyesight requirements anymore. And so uh, at that moment, I said, okay, if I can't fly airplanes, I'll design them instead. And so that started my trajectory in aerospace engineering. And, and um, I forgot where I was going with this, but... Uh, <laughs> well, it happens to us all the time. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I Mason, can you to top ramble. that? It's yeah. like, we're just going to go down the line, come <laughs> back. Because <and laughs> you have to top but, F20. Oh, <laughs> I remember what I was going to say. So, so the reason that I love scale so much is, and, and trying to mimic the full-scale airplane or recreate full-scale airplanes as much as I can is because it gives me the opportunity to fly an airplane that I know that I would never fly in full-scale. And so that's why I, that's why that's my passion, because I always wanted to, I, I've always wanted to fly in a fighter jet, and I know that I never will. And it kills me when you see the, those weather people on TV go flying with the Blue Angels. It's like, man, they have no interest right. in any of that. I, I'm available, you can call me, you know, I'm here. Yeah. We'll so. go find me for you, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call the Blue Angels for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, well, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Uh, one of the things we want to talk about is how your experience in RC and your career mingle. I know for me, when I talk to people in my RC circles about my experience as an aerospace engineer, they must think, uh, or they tell me, that well, as an engineer, that must really make you a great modeler. My experience has been the reverse, that when I'm working on a spacesuit or a piece of space hardware, I can think back to experience as a kid working on an RC car or a plane that's the same thing. It's uh, deja vu. So. What we want to talk about are some experiences you've had where you're at work one day and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I've been doing this since I was a kid. So th the basic question is how has RC, some experience you've had where RC directly related to your day job? And I know, I want to ask I'm going to start Dan, with Red. Yeah. Yeah. Red's got his hand up in the air if y'all can. So, so it, it, it is my day job. A <laughs> cheater. The funny thing is, is um, there is no college course that prepares kids to do what I do. I'm able to do what I do because of my dad and my friends and my modeling for fun. And it's frustrating for me um, as a, a recruiter for NASA looking for new talent. You know, there's tons of smart people out there, but if they've never touched an airplane as a modeler, then uh, they're not my first choice, especially when it comes to internships. Um, Intern at NASA.gov for all you out there that might think you want a career at NASA. So, so how much are you paying again? It, it actually pays well. It pays, uh, I want to say, six or eight grand for ten weeks. And do you guys include room and board for the interns and stuff? They help them with it. They subsidize yeah. part oh, of it, good. yeah. But when I get the stack of resumes every year to look through to hear Red pick an intern, uh, you know, they're all straight-A students, right? They don't pass the first round of, of intern, uh, you know, bingo. But if, if a kid has model airplane experience, if I can see in his resume that he's been flying for a few years or something, I know he knows how to solder, I know he knows how to work a computer, I know he knows what dihedral is and what an airfoil is. And hey Red, is CG. there an age limit? There is not. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's funny because I, I pick my interns based upon whether or not they have model aircraft on their resume. If you don't, you probably don't have a shot at it, honestly. So uh, it's, it's super important. It's directly responsible for me sitting here talking to you today as model airplanes. You know, I applied to NASA out of school, and my GPA wasn't high enough. <laughs> but, <laughs> I would have I taken you anyway, Dan. <laughs> but, Dan, tell us about your interview with Bert. This, this is and my favorite RC... story, really, truly. Yeah. Bert Rutan. 
If you're listening to the show while you're driving, pull over. Sit back. <laughs> enjoy no, no, the you're show. making it too big. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, Bert was, uh, he's been a legend for a long time, and I wanted, I wanted to work for Bert, or his company, Scale Composites. So the master plan was stop by, uh, as I was driving by the food from school to see my, you know, to go back home, stop at Scaled, ask are they hiring, and they said, yeah, we're looking for somebody to do finite element analysis. I said, oh, okay, which I had no idea what that was. <laughs> yeah. so, so I go back to uh, uh, go back to work, and I contact my buddy Mark Sumich, that you know, you know Mark, and he got me he got me a, a bootleg copy of finite element analysis. So I spent about three weekends learning how to run that, and then I well, didn't reapply. I applied to Scaled, saying, yes, I have finite element anal analysis experience, and so they, I got called in for the interview. So okay, cool. So I, I did a really crude model of one of their airplanes, you know, one of the scaled airplanes is a pond racer. And so I <laughs> just the pond racer. <laughs> just the pond racer. racer. <laughs> <laughs> a little plane. The, the simple one to model, too. Well, it's it all pretty... compound curves, isn't it? I don't think it's a straight line on this thing. Yeah, well, you, you, you're talking about the miniature one out on display out there, right? Yeah, did you see it? Over yeah, that's there? what. It's no. A little, it's no like actually, so if you don't know what the pond racer is, there's a little micro RC one on display in the model competition. No you should take a look at it. It's wow. awesome. <laughs> yeah. just after, the after the show. <laughs> That's my all-time favorite airplane. It, it's, it's beautiful. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, let's see. So, uh, yes, yeah, Yale secretary said, well, we have airline tickets for you to fly down for the interview. And I, I thought about it. I said, well, look, I'd rather load up my old Dodge van full of my model airplanes for the interview. So, so I looked, looked up, and she said, well, I guess we're just going to eat the tickets. And she was kind of, kind of annoyed that I was changing the plan. So I loaded, loaded up the van with model airplanes um, and a streamlined bike that I built, too, in college, and showed up for the interview. And Bert pretty much quickly saw that I didn't have a lot of ex you know, experience, but he loved the enthusiasm. He loved the van full of airplanes. You know, and he asked a bunch of questions that were kind of illegal, like now, like, are you married? You know, <laughs> can you work long hours? Can you work long? Yeah, that's exactly what he said. He said, well, because sometimes we have to week. work long hours. Yeah. Have you ever been to a Turkish bath? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I got the offer, and it was actually less than what I was getting paid at Aerojet, and I accepted. <laughs> so anyway, that that's that story. So without the RC planes in the trunk. What's that? Without the RC planes in your trunk, it was a done deal. Without the air... Uh, you don't think you would have gotten the job without having those RC aircraft? Uh, um, to show, show your enthusiasm? That's a good question. I may not have. Maybe on like round 20 of reapplying yeah. or something. You <laughs> yeah. know, and then finally, it's, you're just being hired yeah. or considered just because of your intelligence. <laughs> well, then, then, then the next amazing thing is I was suddenly surrounded by people that had the, the, the same you know, passion. Right. With it. They were all working for scale. And so... They weren't necessarily geniuses, but everyone just had that love and you know worked hard and just loved what they're doing. So yeah, we yeah. should note that Bert Rutan himself is an accomplished model aircraft builder yes. and designer. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Mason. Well, I, I had a similar experience in, in getting my job, but I, I came from a whole different place. I came, grew up in New Mexico. I grew up in Hobbs, New Mexico, and it's the soaring capital of the world. They, in the 80s, they moved the Soaring Society of America headquarters there. And so I grew up with full-scale gliders overhead all the time. And our RC field was in the middle of this abandoned airport, Army Airfield, that was you know, run by the city. And at the end of, we were at an intersection of three runways. It had a nice big concrete sort of apron to fly on. 
and then down one of the runways was where the soaring people were and so we would fly and when we see a, a glider taking off we'd land and wait for them to go overhead and then take back off even back then in the 80s when you know we knew we had to share the airport and we we're kind of self-governed like that uh, but I didn't have access to aviation or the love of, of you know like I wasn't exposed to, to experimental aviation aside from magazines and what I saw in the model aviation magazine but I knew that uh, my ultimate dream was to work for Burt Rutan's outfit scaled composites and you know, I had to go to college in, in New Mexico, went to a good engineering school, and, and uh, very quickly I found myself working a job with a kid and a mortgage. And I thought, man, what happened? I'm, I'm not at my dream job, and here I am schlepping in a commute and, and things like that. So how can I get a job at Scaled Composites? I even told my family I would sweep the floors in this place. Um, well, long about the time that the Global Flyer came online, did its first round-the-world attempt, uh, Steve Fawcett, back then, uh, they were going to do the first live stream, like, is a round-the-world flight, but live streamed this whole time. And this was kind of when video and streaming was really new. And uh, the only place I could access this was in my office, where I worked at the time. And... Uh, and it would just pull the bandwidth down for the whole office like crazy. <laughs> so I decided what I'll do is I'll take the day off and I'll show up at the office anyway and close my door and I will watch this streaming cast. And my boss said, no, no, that's not, that's, we, you, we can't have you pull the bandwidth down. I said, well, look, uh, I, I got to see this show. And he said, oh, you, you know, I, you can't do that. You can't just use the bandwidth. And I, so I looked around for some other place to watch the show, nothing, couldn't find anywhere. So I decided I'm going to go back and, and go ahead and, and watch this, you know, the stream of uh, Global Flyer. And I was in my office watching it and I get a little knock on the door and I thought, here it is. This is, this is, this is it. And my boss walks in with a disciplinary action notice and says, I formally have to do this. Like, I get what you're doing and I totally understand your excitement, but like, we have to reprimand you in some formal way. So I got this carbon copy sheet of paper with disciplinary action at my job. <laughs> and uh, so I decided that uh, uh, I've got to be, a, I've got to become like, you know, show my, raise my hand and, and become, you know, in the radar of scaled composites. So I sent resume after resume after resume and nothing purchased. So I decided to take all my projects and make like a collage, like a, much like an artist would have a portfolio. I just made a picture book of like 10 pages and the very last page was my recent, I built a Sig Cougar from a kit that I took from my dad's garage ceiling. He didn't even know I took it. I just took this kit and I built it and made it beautiful. I even made monocoat flames. Like commitment. Oh, oh wow! Right, and uh, <laughs> that's hardcore. You're right, huh? and uh, and I sent that picture in with my with my portfolio, and I got a call from Scaled Composites, a phone interview, and uh, it was from a guy named Matt Steinmetz, and I'd only seen his name in Popular Mechanics, and uh, and I thought, well, okay, at least I recognize the name. You know, this will be great. And uh, he said, yeah, I've got your resume here. I would like to talk about it. And I was like, well, which one? He's like, well, it's two years old. I said, oh, oh, well, I've applied seven times since then. <laughs> no problem. You know, like, give me a new one. He said, I don't care. I don't even want that. I want to talk about your portfolio. And that was not one consideration of my GPA. 
Not one consideration of my work history, really. It was or that disciplinary action. Yeah, <laughs> or the disciplinary. That's that, probably that an actually, advantage. Actually, Bert liked that idea. Like he really. Liked <laughs> I hope that. you framed that. Yeah, and uh, and that, I did. That I be should. Right there in your I, office. I should. You know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Maybe after I'm seeing the other side of parenting. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, the it was really an interesting interview because I didn't get to meet Bert Rutan until the very end of the day after interviewing for a real long time, and he just silently flipped through my portfolio and didn't even nod and I was just sitting there iced like I didn't know what he was thinking I thought okay he's gonna close it and send me out the door and uh, he closed it and we talked a little bit about some of the projects and then he got pulled out of the meeting and I thought well there's just no way I'm gonna get this job and by the time I got home I had an offer in the in the inbox and there it was so yeah and I've been there I had worked there for 12 years so not near not near the, the legend there, uh, legendary amount of time, but uh, I was fortunate enough to get to work with Bert for about two years before he retired and actually do some work with him, which, I mean, you can't trade that experience I for the world. I just like one day. Yeah. Like it, Can that, I take your picture? Was, I'm done. Yeah, and that was amazing. <laughs> and even, uh, you know, better is when I see him occasionally now, you know, we know each other and, and, uh, and it's, we rem he and I remember some of the, the design struggles we had. It was, it was a lot of fun. Right. Yep. What was the question again? Pick an example where you're... <laughs> if you could be a tree. Right. <laughs> uh, oh, interpretive dance? That's what yeah. we're talking about? Balls up, pick balls up. That is the right good choice. Balls I like it. Uh, so how modeling has impacted my career and how I apply that. How you apply today, yeah. Okay, so because of my online video and YouTube channel, so I'm, I'm pretty... Uh, close hold on where I actually work. It's in the title of your shirt, the RC yeah. geek. Yes, the RC geek. <laughs> you think so? Say that again into the mic. Right. I, I, oh, he turned it off. Oh, that was, that was deliberate. Hey. <laughs> We're back on. <laughs> oh, by the way, my comment is: I, I think that's the best logo of the uh, online of the YouTube channel RC-related channels. Besides yeah. the RC the roundtable logo, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No pressure. Sh shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> so I actually run. I'm a manager for an aerodynamics group uh, um, at an aerospace company down in San Diego. I run a. I, manage a team of about 23 down there and so we uh, do all kinds of aerodynamic design we do a lot of sustainment uh, keeping airplanes flying uh, a lot of that stuff so in terms of how the modeling impacts what I do I actually have two competing sides of myself so you know you, you get all the theory going into school uh, going through school but I have this practical side this practical application side because I know what works and I know the theory and in the case of scale modeling, we go scale down the airfoils using the exact airfoils that are on the real airplanes. And in theory, that shouldn't work. But in practicality, it works fantastic. So uh, it's just those two competing things. But, but what, I, what I mean is that when I'm at work, this modeling side of me and knowing what works and having that practical application keeps me grounded. And I have to keep some of the guys grounded because a lot of kids coming out of school packed full of theory, but it's like, dude, that's great. How are you going to make that? How, how are we going to accomplish that? You know, we have limited time. We have limited budget. We can't go down this rabbit hole. We have to be on time, on, on track, and all of that stuff. So um, 
but so every day I've got that, you know, in the back of my mind trying to, you know, steer the ship, if you will, or conduct the orchestra. You learned um, how to be a project manager. Say again? You learned how to be a project manager in your youth. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, yeah. You want to ask yours? Bachelor number two. Mason. Yes. You, <laughs> the question for you. No. Well, we had so much fun yesterday watching you with the kids. And I don't know what else how to ask the intro, but I'd like you to talk to you to well, the listeners about the event and STEM projects in general. And then I'd like to ask everybody in our, our panel here, like, do you participate in some kind of STEM project? And uh, you know, is there something that you prefer to, to help out kids on? Like a yeah. certain aspect. Yeah. Oh, well, first I'll describe real quickly what we did yesterday. We uh, this is kind of a, a genesis of uh, of one event, and the idea is we're trying to get give the opportunity to some of our new visitors to the expo and to this hobby an opportunity to give them a jump start. So uh, we had this idea to, we like to combat and, and air race at, among our little community. You know, Red's group is over on, uh, on Edwards and we're over in Mojave. And so from a couple times in, in the past, we've gotten together and we've raced each other at just around some homemade pylons that, like Red that we set team. up. Pretty much, or is, well, when we race at home, it's it's personal. <laughs> it's it's and uh, we never cheat. It's very clean and it's really gentleman like racing. Um, and it's and only up and it's only lot. left you turns, by the way. Today, <laughs> yeah, so it's real racing. It's only left turns. But uh, uh, anyway, um, so last year we decided to do like a combat sort of demo thing. What we do at home, just for the the audience here. And then at the end, kind of on a whim, we decided, well, we all got the same airplanes. And we raced, and on sort of that day, decided, hey, let's just give these airplanes to the kids in the audience. So to, yesterday, we now have this purpose. We went out in the audience and hand-selected a few kids to kind of talk to them and figure out, you know, where are you in model aviation? And if they said, oh, I'm here checking it out, I'm really interested, but I don't have, I haven't done anything yet, that's the target right there. So we got 10 of us, five on a team versus five on the other team. Each of us got a kid from the audience that was just starting in model aviation and had him spot for us while we went out and did a version of musical chairs. We played uh, musical runways where we all flew the exact same airplane, the UMX Timber, and landed on these 10 airplanes, nine runways. You can't really land on the runway. They just that didn't work out well, so just well. Just so you but know, I was I was able to get there on time and, and videotape the entire thing. So oh, good. I'll be I'll be releasing that on our RC Roundtable oh, YouTube channel. It's, so so yeah. that last run, yeah. So every time they we, the music would stop, we'd pull a runway out, and yeah, I can't wait to see yeah, that last couple. If you're listening to couple. the show, guys, you've got to tune in. I'll have that up this week. But oh, that'll, good. that was fun to watch. That was, yeah, it was right, a blast. It wasn't landing. Wait. It wasn't landing. There was, there was quite a bit of... Actually, uh, somebody did a really good inverted landing on one of the runways. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a rugby match. Yeah. <laughs> it did look a little like a rugby. And then it turned into sort of a baseball game at the end with some of the slides going in. The kids well, started me, running out for the airplanes because they would tip over. We didn't expect well, that. My, my favorite shot is as great as one kid when y'all when landed. You'd set the kids out to pick a runway. Like if one plane didn't make it, the kids were allowed to pick up a plane and try to pick a runway. Well, this one kid went out, picked up the plane, and just threw it down on one of the <laughs> runways. 
like spotlighted it right there. That's my runway. <laughs> they they weren't. We didn't do any training ahead no. of time. So there was and it was, there was yeah yeah. We didn't do any planning ahead of time. It was no, and spur I think, of the moment. I think it was all spur of the moment. We actually did not plan much of that at all, and and we just kind of and that Red and I agree, and I think Dano would agree. We we tend to do our best when it's that kind of situation. Just come up with something. Yeah. <laughs> and I would like to take the opportunity to, to thank uh, the AMA and uh, Horizon Hobby both for stepping up to the plate and allowing us to do that. Um, you know, we made 10 kids incredibly happy. Not only did we hand them mostly flyable airplanes, but also brand new in the box transmitters. So all they really need is a battery charger. Now they got a full setup, they can go learn how to fly. Yeah, and, and it's uh, on a great airplane. That's out of reach yeah. for a lot of kids. Uh, you know, it's a big, a big expense just to chunk out to see if you like it or not. Well, now they can you know, like it right off the bat, and we've got 10 new potential AMA members, and I'm sure they're going to tell their buddies, and so that kind of outreach, I really like doing. Um, I don't it, get to do that. Do you do anything else out of NASA? Any other kind of STEM projects? And you talk about an internship, but well, we, is there we any do, We do a lot of outreach. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier, like, this is a, this is a recruitment area for us, um, especially in my lab and what we do. So we have uh, a couple of hundred interns that come every year, well, mostly in the summer, but we get some in the fall as well. And uh, particularly, they're throughout the center, but particularly in my lab is one of the few places they can actually touch flight hardware and design flight hardware and, and work on things that are actually flying. If you're on, say, uh, you know, an F-15 that's doing some sort of uh, aerospike research or whatever, you know, you might write a test plan or you might help reduce some data or whatever, but you don't get to touch the airplane. Uh, if you come over to our NASA booth, I can show you several airplanes that have components or the whole thing built by interns. Uh, they get to do everything except for fly them. And um, that, to me, I see that sparks a huge interest in, in getting to actually do real stuff, not just get coffee or you know what some other internships might offer. So presuming that most of the students that come in as interns have RC experience. No, no, no are, most of them, a very well, small percentage. A very, very small percentage do have RC experience? Yes, most okay. of them are you know, basically aero engineers and, and things like that out of great colleges. Okay. Yeah. Well, of the ones that do, and RC has changed significantly in the last 10 years with a lot of electronics and the quad yep. racing, are you finding that you learn things from the kids coming in? Absolutely. One of the biggest strengths that, that we get out of the intern pool is code writing, believe it or not. So we're working on um, aircraft that could potentially fly on Mars. So the Martian atmosphere is 1% of Earth's. There's a lot of different challenges to make that happen. So a traditional model airplane only vehicle really is not well suited. You need some stabilization, some guidance, things like that. And um, in the UAV world, miniature stuff that'll fly a 13 inch airplane at you know 400 miles an hour true, by the way, because there's no atmosphere, you don't find that on the shelf. So we have to develop that. And I'm finding that uh, today's generation of college kids are very in tune with that and uh, pose a, a, huge, a huge benefit to us. That's an interesting point you bring up because we're seeing that in some of our younger engineers too. They bring to the table the ability to read code that already exists that was written and long ago it. and, fix, and it, fix it or adapt it to a new, yeah. better yet, adapt it to a new application. So our, our 25 foot flying wing that's over there in the booth, um, it's got a pressure measurement system in it. We, we take almost 100 flush fitting pressure transducer ports in the wings and feed them back to a box and it all gets correlated to data and, and we can see real time what the span load of the aircraft is in flight. Entirely an intern invented and executed software written project. 
Yeah, the, the code is so ingrained in the curriculums now, so... Um, See, I don't have that. I, I, yeah, I don't either. It, was, it came right after I graduated, it seemed like. I, I got Fortran, which was awful. <laughs> I have punch cards. Absolutely awful, but... Um, so yeah, the, the, you know, for the kids out there, if they're watching this, you know, learning code early on is really good, uh, but you know, coding is great and extremely important, but you also have to have that technical experience and that technical expertise. So getting lost into a code, that's great for some groups and that's what they need, but not all of the groups you know, can really support that. So, so, so it sounds like a lot of the students really have really good technical aptitude, but it's the practical experience of building models and model airplanes. So we, we have a saying at NASA called all velocity and no vector. Right. You know, they're <laughs> super excited, but they don't, they don't have the practical side of it yet. Yeah. And so there's a great blending of that that happens, and you get a, something really cool out of that. But, you know, each of those things by themselves don't yield very much, but frustration usually. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah, we should end with that. I do want to reiterate that they do bring some great new ideas and, and things that, you know, a lot of the... Folks that have been doing this a long time may not have, have thought about or well, considered. And challenging so the really status important. quo is super important. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Well, we're kind of going to wrap things up, but I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to share or, or say thanks to your mentors. Who has helped you get oh. into this hobby? Who has helped you maybe along the way in getting into your career? And, you know, again, it's a little special time for you to thank those. Oh, I'm guessing I know yours. I get to go first. I'd like to thank the Academy for this. Yeah, this beautiful statue right here. We'll give you a no. pile of PLA or something. Um, so my dad has been a huge influence uh, in my life and what I do now. And uh, just a, a quick story. So we were. So my dad. The U.S. Scale Masters Association. My dad competed in the very first Scale Masters back in 1980, uh, and just two weeks ago, 40th annual U.S. Scale Masters Scale competition out there with my dad, having just a great time, uh, enjoying every minute that I could spend with him. And my mom was out there also, and ended up winning the entire thing, 2019. So, uh, thank you, and with one of his designs. My dad manufactured kits, he had a hobby store. I grew up in the hobby store. I used to spend hours just looking at all of the plastic models he had on the shelves and that's where I learned a lot of the airplanes. That I was like, oh, I know that one. And I mean, that was my aircraft identification course, just looking at plastic models. Um, so just, just every, seeing how hard he worked and the work ethic that he had and being able to spend so much time with him now flying and going to the contests and I mean I cherish every minute of it and I can't thank him enough for the example that he's been in my life and I cherish every moment that we spend together and he's here at the show in the Scale Squadron booth and um, so it's been it's it's really wonderful. I can't thank I him enough. I enjoyed meeting him, and I will tell you the reciprocation. He was talking highly of you too. <laughs> I mean, he's very very proud of you and that aircraft. Did you get to see his guns? Did what? No, <laughs> no he didn't show me. He didn't show me guns. <laughs> but he was very proud of that award. I love it when I meet someone new like Chris, and I'm thinking, man, if we when we were young, we would have been instant buddies because we like had parallel lives. Probably it sounds like. I'm the same way. Uh, I, I think back, you know, like where, 
I wouldn't be here without dot, dot, dot. And we all have lots of people we can think of and like, oh, favorite teachers and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, I too, uh, my, my, my most major mentor continues to be my dad. And, you know, my mom too, some, but for some reason my dad and I just gel when it comes to talking about anything and everything mechanical. He taught me very early in life. And I don't know how he taught me this, but if you can fix something, you will forever be employed in some way. And it wasn't like, you know, this is, this is a job class. It was just more of employed, a more employed, you know, emotionally too. Like how good does it feel to fix or build something? You know, the pride, no one ever lays in bed at night regretting a whole day of building. Now the world is full of breakers, and the, you yes. can fix stuff. Yeah, the world is full of breakers too. Yeah, yeah, Any boy, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, it is uh, for me. It is definitely you know, my dad because, I mean, I spent many hours just sitting. We would have dinner together every night. Is just my family would sit at the table and eat dinner every night, and uh, mom would clear off the table, and my sister would go away, and uh, my dad had always, and I would always remain at the table talking about stuff. And uh, I can remember one night uh, in particular, we were sitting there and I had him describe the entire steam system on a ship and how that works. You know, how do we propel a ship with steam? And I remember my mom shutting off the lights and going to bed on us. <laughs> and we were just sitting at the table talking. It was like a random Tuesday night and there we were talking about steam. It was that kind of stuff, doing that with your kid and just continuing to do that. And now I'm, I'm enjoying it because now I have a kid and we're three generations here at AMA Expo and we have been for the last five expos on the West and East Coast. You know, we, we really enjoy being a multi-generational model airplane. We're airplanes mostly. Um, I mean, I snuck a few helicopters in here and there, but um, dad usually d runs from those. So <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, the, just to have that generational tie with everything uh, is just overwhelmingly satisfying. Well, clearly the early influence for me was um, mom and dad and their constant support, uh, taking me to the hobby shop whenever I needed and taking me to the flying field. And without that, I, I couldn't have um, you know, uh, experienced the, 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 the constant growth and my knowledge of uh, you know, models and aviation. Was just, they were always uh, very extremely supportive, and I was lucky to grow up in an area down in Riverside where you know, you had Chino Airport close by. That was a huge inspiration for you know, warbirds. And, and, then the, and then probably the next big influence on my life was, was kind of developing the uh, IFO model airplane, which is kind of a weird thing to say. But without the support of my wife, Regina Craig here, when, uh, my son's here in the audience too, but her and I built uh, over 8,000 of those kits. And wow. back then it was, it was kind of a kind of a, a kind of a fad, but okay, well that's the problem. It kind of did. <laughs> that was a marriage test right there. <laughs> so, so yeah, every night I'd come home and answer about three hours of emails, you know. And it's just after a while I found some of the guys that were so obsessed with the with the airplane more than I was. I I just pay them a dollar fifty to answer all these emails. I'd send to them. And I, I never I never even met them, you know. But they were <laughs> they, they, they they seemed to enjoy doing that. And, but but it opened up so many doors having the IFO because it. It got us a booth at the AMA show for three or four years, and and then uh, AMA started noticing me, and then they invited me to give a talk, and, and just one thing kind of led to another. Just it was a major opportunity for for networking. Eventually, we got burned out, and then the the final um, mentors that I would mention are just the people that I that that we're surrounded with. You know, it's, it's sort of a, a self inspirational kind of thing. Like I'm inspired by everyone here on stage, and 
it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's exciting to have all these amazing contacts and friends and, you know. I'm sensing a parental theme here. Uh, my, my parents, in particular my dad as well, huge influence. He flew RC. Um, his dad was a pilot, so that sort of got his interest going. So again, like my, I said earlier, most of my memories are in the garage building stuff, but I think the biggest takeaway that, that he gave me is uh, the ability to, to fail. He would, he would give me just enough information to screw it up. And uh, you know, to this day, I love to design, and I love to uh, experiment, things like that. And I got that from him, because he, he was there to kind of correct me and keep me going the right direction, but not corral me so much that I couldn't learn for myself. Uh, one of my favorite stories is I used to, I was about 10 years old, I had another buddy who was about the same age and we were going to build something and fly something the next weekend and I'm in a rush and I'm, I'm gluing servos in with epoxy, you know, and he, he just rode my ass for that. He's like, you don't glue servos in, you know, and I have to laugh because I fly competition sailplanes much later in life and you absolutely glue the servos <laughs> in. That's what you do. That's a, you're supposed to do that. So I laugh about that. He did too. He's no longer here, but... I got to share that with him, and he thought so, that was pretty. So, if funny. you have to replace a servo, do you have to replace the airplane? No, you learn that you 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 wrap it in tape, yeah. and then you can pop it loose, you know. But um, the other person, uh, strangely enough, is is Al Bowers, uh, ex chief scientist of of NASA. You know, when I first got there, their model lab was sort of defunct. It had been going for fifty odd years, but the the latest caretaker of it was having some health issues, and they hadn't done anything for almost two years. Uh, so when I hired in, it was just a big kind of a a room with a storeroom with a bunch of broken airplanes and and he had the very first Prandtl aircraft there the, the flying wing and um, I wasn't specifically hired for that project I was hired to do another project and that was just sort of there so I asked you know can I can I help you I think I can help here and he's like yeah and he was a little frustrated and um, you know within just a few weeks we had that airplane flying again and actually you know getting meaningful data and uh, that turned into a whole series of other aircraft as well. You know, we're up to almost 70 aircraft in that series now that we've built and flown. And, uh, you know, he believed in me and, and let me help him, uh, even though I was very naive to what his aero theory was for this thing. Because it's, it's a flying wing, which, you know, whatever, it's just a flying wing. But once you really understand what it is, it's completely different than every other flying wing out there. So uh, it took me a while to un understand that and wrap my head around it. But uh, very thankful for that opportunity. and. Um, you know, here I am. I'm, I hope to to die there. I mean, not there, like at my desk. But, you know, I don't know. Spend the rest of my life there. That sounds okay. like a great place to put your little tombstone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Red like here. <laughs> well, all right, gentlemen. I think we have to wrap things up. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us up here on the stage. Uh, your stories have been fantastic. Inspirational. Uh, in inspirational. Uh, I think each of each one of you are kind of legends in your own way. And I think due in part to your involvement in model aviation. And I think your stories are probably very common throughout the membership of the AMA organization and throughout the modeling in general. So thanks so much. It's all great stories. And we could talk to you for hours on this stuff. Well, this should be part one. I hope we can do like a 10-parter. Let's, let's keep following up with you guys. Part one, yes. Thank you very much for having us. Yes. Appreciate Thank it. you, guys. No, oh, the pleasure's all ours. Yeah, it was a great fun being on the podcast. It's my first podcast, so thanks. Yeah. You're coming, yeah. we'll you are all coming back again. <laughs> rip your again, shirt again. off. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are awesome. <laughs> Great questions. No, you're the hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, we also wanted to give a last thanks to the Academy of Model Aviation for having us, for inviting us here to this forum and to this event. We're having a great time here. Oh, you're looking at me funny. 
You, you mispronounced it. Did I mispronounce it? Academy of Model Aviation. That's not what I said. Aeronautics. Aeronautics. Oh, same difference. The AMA. Let's we'll just say the AMA. AMA. Thanks to the AMA for inviting us here. Uh, and we also want to have a, a special guest to uh, Mark Benson and Aaron Dobbs for their special help on us, for us as well. Uh, so this has been a wonderful event, and thanks everybody again, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you on the next one. On the next one. On the next yeah. one. Yes. <laughs>